Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to WCW Retro. I am your interim host, Howard Morgan, filling in for Stro Maestro, again, who, uh, excuse me, who continues to recover and rehab and get better. We want to continue to pray for Papa Stro and his continued rehab and recovery so that he can get back to his rightful place here. And captain this ship, um, we're just kind of trying to keep it afloat while he's gone. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that last week was probably one of the greatest shows that probably nobody heard last week because with the new system, although it was a great time, we talked about the year 1985 and how wrestling is really starting to to heat up and um, build a little bit of momentum um, with his national exposure and expansion across all of at the time, which were the big three in the United States being the WWF at the time, the NWA and the AWA all expanding as cable TV is getting bigger. Um, the only problem is it was me and my ever faithful host rat boy were the only two to hear it because I never hit the go live button on the, um, platform that we use and i apologize for everybody that missed it but it was a great show um and this year we are going into uh, dive right back into 1986 and kind of show talk about the continued growth in the sport of professional wrestling and, and what was going on um at that time and it's been a little bit of an up and down um week for me this this week you know in particular 
Um, we'll get in a little bit more into that as um, the time goes on. But before I bring Rat Boy on, just want to kind of set the stage a little bit for the year 1986. Um, a couple of things that were happening in in the world at that time. Um, the Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 20, the Bears beat the pre-Brady era Patriots 46 to 10 um, in January. And then again, that's a kind of a, an you know, upside for the world of sports in the city of Chicago um, with that stack team that they had and all the, the characters that they had on that team. Um, and then just a few short days later, we have the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. Um, Space Shuttle Challenger goes up with uh, school teacher Christy McCullough aboard and it explodes just, you know, about a minute after takeoff. Um, and all seven astronauts were, were killed in that disaster. Um, Pixar is founded by John Lasseter along with Steve Jobs. The Boston Celtics win the NBA championship, beating Houston Rockets four games to two. The Statue of Liberty is reopened and able to celebrate its centennial. And it really it went through a, an extensive remodeling and refurbishment at that time. It finally opened on July 4th of 1986. Um, and then in October in the World Series, we had the New York Mets beating the Boston Red Sox four games to three. Um, for those of you that are big baseball fans, we all know what that's remembered for. I'm going to get to that in just one second. Um, but it was kind of an, an up upside for the Mets, a downside for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the Boston Red Sox were really one game away, one out away from winning the World Series. Um, and they blew a two-run lead. Um, it's probably best remembered for the ground ball that was hitting the kind of routine ground ball up the first base side. It really rolled through the legs of first baseman Bill Buckner, um, which kind of sealed the the fate for the the um, New York Mets. Um, then they went on to win the World Series from there. Songs on the radio that we were listening to, Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Um, and another popular song at that time was That's What Friends Are For with Dionne Warwick and really a cast of who's who in the music business. Um, in the movie theater, we went and watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Stand By Me, Top Gun. Um, and on the TV, we were watching shows like ALF, um, Alien Life Form, who was an alien from another planet that had an affinity for cats and that was um, living kind of incognito in a in just a regular neighborhood house with a um, seemed to be an all American family there. We watched Matlock, uh, Andy Griffith returning as a uh, an attorney there, and Perfect Strangers was on TV. Who relate? Who reunited or reunited two cousins, one from here in the United States, and I. Gosh, forgive me, I can't remember where from overseas the um, Balki Bartokamus, who was the the foreign cousin. It was a great comedy on television. Um, and the world of professional wrestling was heating up. And we'll talk all about that. And I'll give you a little bit of insight before we dive into that. About my travel over the last day or so, it was a lot of ups and downs there. But before I go any further, let me bring on um, Rat Boy. Rat Boy, what's going on, brother? How are you? Well, the one that you didn't say, okay, and mm -hmm. everybody, everybody knows this guy, okay, the legendary 
John Lennon, his album came out. Oh, I, you know, I did. I'm sorry. Live from New York City, John Lennon album release. Yes, I, I, was, I was scrambling. I thought I was more prepared for the show than I thought. Then I'm like, oh, I don't have what's going on in, in pop culture on TV and the movies. And so I, I did a quick Google search for about 10 minutes before airtime. Me too. I found something about February 16th that year. What happened? 28 Daytona 500. All right. Dale Nyhart had to force the pit, his pit for gas with, with his three locks to go, and he blew the engine and left the pit. <laughs> 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 well, back when NASCAR was NASCAR, man, when you when I, I really yeah. enjoyed watching, watching, I don't enjoy it so much now. But if you want to be part of this discussion, if you want to call in and we'll reminisce about 1986, it's real easy. It's from any of your smart devices, your cell phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you stream things on. Go to uh, callvoc.com. I suggest using your incognito browser. To do that, it'll be a lot easier to get in, less interruptions that way. Um, but again, if you want to be part of this, it's called VOC.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to talk to you about um, all the happenings in 1986 in the world of pro wrestling. Hang on. Before we start, okay, something happened on Tuesday night. Was It, it was Tuesday. I thought it was Wednesday, but I, it was a Tuesday night. Probably after we went off. The air when we went off the air, I saw saw it, and I texted you on Wednesday about it. Okay, okay, so it did happen Tuesday. This is kind of where I was. I was telling you, there's a lot of ups and downs this week. Rat Boy's about to kind of give us some news that kind of bummed us bummed us out, and still got us kind of a little a little bit down. Rat Boy, why don't you fill everybody in on, on what happened? What happened was that I was uh, I was up around two three o'clock in the morning, like usual. Just thrown down my Facebook, and I saw a Granny Hoekster. And she was saying about her husband just passed away at 1.37 in the afternoon. Yeah, a, a loyal listener And I said, well, let me post it on our um, other page. You know, Granny Hoekster, her husband, David, passing and, away. And um, I did do something. I did um, just a sad, sad time for us here at, at the VOC Nation. You know, our, yeah. our thoughts and prayers are with Granny Holster and, and her family as she, as she continues to deal. And I like to do something right now. Okay, I hope everybody could hear it. The um, the bed, the uh, ten bell salute for him. Rest in peace, brother. Yes, yes. And Granny, we are praying for you. And if there's anything we can do to help, you know, please reach out to us. Um, 
you know, you, you have all of our information. You can reach out to us. You, you have my cell phone number. Um, you, you know, we have Facebook Messenger. Um, but, yeah, we continue to pray for you. And, you know, may, may he finally rest. And, you know, away from all the pain and, and everything. To, again, we, our thoughts and our prayers are with the Burt family at this time. And, you know, mm-hmm. we will continue to pray for them and you know, pray Granny Hulkster through you know, without a doubt, rather the most difficult time in, you know, in her life. Um, but, you know, we, you know, you know, I don't know what else to say, you know, other than, you know, Granny, you are in our thoughts and our prayers. Um, but I had the, the opportunity to travel to Oklahoma for work. Um, and I had to travel from uh, Philadelphia to, to Atlanta. And then from Atlanta, I was flying into Tul- Tulsa. Right outside of Tulsa to a town called Owasso, Oklahoma, which is literally 15 minutes outside the city. And I'm, I flew into into Atlanta and, and to board my flight. And it's it's a little bit smaller plane, uh, probably 150 people on board, maybe a little less. And I see a guy that has an AEW like windbreaker on, really nice sweat jacket of some sort um, mm-hmm. and it didn't look like any kind of something you would buy at, at aew.com and i didn't recognize him because I, I i i still don't know who he is um and i look over and there's a, a guy in a long kind of like trench coat <laughs> a little bit of a beard and i'm like that guy looks familiar to me and i look and he, he kind of turns around to talk to the guy in the aew jacket and I'm like, that looks like Tony Schiavone, but why would he be flying to Oklahoma? I'm a little ignorant about what was going on at the time. And uh, so it was bugging me a little bit. So I get on the plane and I'm sitting two rows right outside of first class. And because I'm a little bit larger guy, so I usually fly Delta uh, Comfort Class, which is a little bit bigger seat, gives me a little more leg room. And uh, he gets, he sits in first class, about the second row back and uh, sits next to a lady who I, I I don't know who she is and really got nothing to do with the story, but I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I'm like, that, that is Tony Schiavone for sure. Cause they, when she asked him his name, that the waitress butchered his last name. She says, is it Tony Schiavone? And he's like, no, it's Schiavone. And you know, they laughed a little bit and I'm like, yep, that. And when I heard his voice, because he is the you know one of the voices of my childhood, um, yes. I'm like that that sealed it for me. So for those younger um, viewers out there who don't know Tony Schiavone outside of AEW, he did uh, WCW Saturday Night. Um, he was yeah. on, you know the, the yeah. NWA Worldwide. He was a commentator. Him and, it was him and um, David Crockett in the early days, and then you know he got he got to work with Jim Ross. In you know, in Jim Ross's earlier career, um, and now they're reunited on AEW. And there's a guy, a guy walks in probably 10, 15 minutes later. He's got his hood up on it on his jacket, and he talks to Tony. And, and I'm not really paying a whole lot of attention as he walks by. I'm like, that looked like Jay Lethal. And he walks by me and he sits a couple rows behind me. And as I'm, I'm sitting there now, now I'm in, now I'm, oh, I'm, I'm a little kid again. Cause like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to get off the airplane. So I can take a picture with Tony Schiavone. 
What's that? Zero Jane Eagle, man. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was funny as hell. Excuse my night, but he was. Yeah, yeah. So giddy, and I'm waiting to get off the plane. And I wanted to do it. I'm close enough that I can do it. Because I get off the plane and still kind of catch him in the, you know, in the terminal, you know, when we land. So as we're getting off, I I stand up because and now I got to stretch my legs. It's about a two hour flight. And uh, everybody's opening the overhead bins. I travel with a backpack because I'm literally flying to Oklahoma and back in the same day. And we, we, everybody's grabbing her bag. And this guy from first class, bald headed guy turns around and says, I need to get my suitcase. I said, man, I'll grab it for you. I grab it for him. I pull the handle out and I set it down. And I look at him. I'm like, that looks like Christopher Daniels as well. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, Christopher Daniels and Jay Lethal and Tony Schiavone are all on this flight. All wow. on the same plane. So I I pull his suit, I pull his suitcase down, and on top of it was a jacket. So I, I told I again, I still don't know it's really him. It hasn't set in yet because I'm not going to ask him who he is or on the airplane. And I told him, I said, sir, is this your jacket? And he's like, no, it's not. And he says, Claudio, is this your jacket? Claudio turns around and is like, yes, it's mine. And from WWE, who now wrestles for AEW. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's on the plane, too. So I give him all the stuff. I get I get the picture outside the terminal with um, Tony Giovanni, who was fantastic when I asked him about Pesci. I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time. Can I get a quick picture? And his reply was, you can take a picture. You can take a slow picture, whatever you want. So I'm trying to get the selfie. And the guy who um, said, you want me to take a picture for you? So I'm like, oh, that'd be great. So he snapped off like three quick pictures. I waited for Jay Lethal to to come out. And um, I'm talking to Brady and Kathy on Facebook Messenger about it. And I catch Jay Leto. I said, hey, man, can I, can I grab a picture with you? I said, my, you know, my dear friend Kathy is, is not going to believe, you know, that you're on my airplane. And he's like, oh, Kathy's great. You know, I love Kathy, blah, blah. And he had a, as soon as I mentioned her name, he had a big smile on his face. So I, I, I snapped the picture. But in the meantime, I lost track of Christopher Daniels. So I'm like, ah, well, at least I helped him get his suitcase out. So I'm I'm going down. I get my, I get in my, I get in my rental car and, uh, standing in line and here comes Christopher Daniels walking down to, to pick up his rental car. So I told him, I said, Hey man, I, I hate the body. I said, can I, can I get a quick selfie with you? He's like, yeah, sure. Come over. And I'm holding the phone up and it's kind of washed out in the sunlight. So now him and I are spinning in a circle to try to get the light so we could take a, a decent picture and we're spinning yeah. around. He's like, no, no, wait, wait. Okay. Go back. We went back a little bit. No, no, move, move. and we're kind of dancing around till we finally got, you know, a, a, where the light was good enough where you could see both of us and we weren't washed out by the sunlight. Um, but all across the board, man, it, you know, they were great guys. They, they didn't have to. I know they were busy. They were trying to go to wherever they were going. Um, so it was a really great experience. And I get to the to the to the store that I'm supposed to visit, and. I know the guy there is an old time wrestling fan. So I tell him that I met Tony Schiavone in, you know, at the airport. And he's like, you well, you know, they're, they're in Tulsa tonight. They have a show tonight. I'm like, no, that would explain why all of these guys, there's probably eight or 10 of them 
on air, and I apologize. I don't follow AEW as closely as um, as I should. Um, but you know, there was probably, like I said, ten or twelve wrestlers on that plane. Um, you know, headed to Tulsa that day, and it kind of took me back a little bit. You know, I, I got to be a little kid for about a half an hour. Again, you know, Tony Schiavone's a, a, one of the guys who I absolutely love to listen to. Listen to him growing up. Um, and it's ironic that we're talking about 1986 tonight. And I ran into Tony Schiavone yesterday, who was a huge part of the NWA and, and Jim Crockett promotions growth in 1986. Yeah. I and mean, everything yes, that, was. that was going on, um, very instrumental in what was happening um, that year. Um, but, you know, we're going to, we're going to jump right into. Okay. Okay. Before I say anything. Okay. I'm going to say this, okay? I'm really going to burn down the house now, okay? Back in history, in the music, okay? Guns N' Roses signed their first record deal. In 1986? In 1986. Wow. Wow. God, I, I found yeah. them all. Wow, it doesn't seem like it's been that long ago. About the whole history of 1986, we are the world won the Grammy. Whoa! Not even wow. a year Again, out and they won their Grammy. We are the world. And look at Myra Cyrus. How many years it took her to win a Grammy? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's easy. You know, it's easier to win a Grammy when you have a stacked card, like they did when they did. We are the world. Um, which again yeah. was was huge in 1986. Yes, and plus, plus you could you could uh, watch the uh, I think it's called Pop End of the Night. It's uh, the making of We Are the World on Netflix. Okay, okay. And plus, yeah, plus, a, yeah. and plus okay. they got the uh, the, uh, the Nature Boy Rick Flair's biography on there too. That's on, on Netflix. Netflix as well. Oh wow! Yeah. Yes. Wow. Well, I, I just read today that Netflix is really a couple signatures away from um, at the Fort Monmouth Army base up in North Jersey. They're building like a $903 million production studio um, up in North Jersey, um, which is going to be huge for Netflix, huge for the area. Um, can't wait to see what they what they do there. Um <laughs> But you know it's it's going it's it's going to be big. It's going to be big, and it's funny how all of this is kind of running together. Again, I I, I researched 1986 pro wrestling all week prior to my going to Oklahoma, and my first thing that I have up happened January 1st, 1986, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the convention wow, center. It was, a, it was a TV taping. Um, Ted DiBiase and Steve Williams. Beat J.R. Hogg and Sean <laughs> O'Reilly. Buzz Sawyer beat Perry Jackson. The Mass Superstar and Dick Murdoch beat Steve Dahl and Tommy Wright. <laughs> Terry Taylor beat The Nightmare. Dick Slater beat Butch Reed to win the, Nor- the Mid South North American title. And if you ever get a chance to look at the the old Mid South North North American title, just look how gigantic the plates and everything are on that title. Um, mm-hmm. It's you know yeah. it's it's just a huge title. Um, Al Perez and Brett Sawyer beat um, Joe Malcolm and Gustavo Mendoza. Jake Roberts beat Dick Slater to win the 
vacant Mid-South TV title in a tournament. Again, this is a TV taping, so guys are wrestling multiple times um, through the TV taping. Buzz Sawyer beat Steve Dahl. Eddie Gilbert beat Tommy – excuse me, Tommy Wright. Um, just a, um, an all-around stack card. Terry Taylor beat Lord Humongous, who was not – Sid Vicious at this time, it was a wrestler called Jeff Van Camp. It was kind of the the introduction into Lord Humongous. Um, Ricky Gibson and Al Perez beat Brett Sawyer. I mean, sorry, Ricky Gibson and Al Perez beat Brett Sawyer and J.R. Hogg. Um, Ted DiBiase again beats Gustavo Mendoza. Again, it was a Mid-South t- TV taping, the very first day of the year in 1986. Um mm-hmm. And that same night, Jim Crockett Promotions ran a show at the Omni in Atlanta, which is synonymous with Jim Crockett Promotions. Um, 14,000 people were in attendance. Uh, Sam Houston beat Jim Jeffers. The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez beat Tony Zane. Ron Bass defeated Thunderfoot. Ron Garvin beat Black Bart. The Midnight Express defeated the Rock and Roll Express, who were at the time the NWA World Tag Team Champions, but it was in a non-title match. The NWA U.S. Champion Magnum T.A. defeated Tully Blanchard via disqualification. Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors defeated Ric Flair and Olean Arn Anderson via disqualification. And then after the match, um, Dusty Rhodes, the Road Warriors were holding down Ole Anderson's leg, um, came off the top rope on Ole's leg, and had more insult to injury. He applied to figure four leg lock after all of that, which was a little bit of a chaotic scene. Um, and then in St. Louis, Missouri at the Keel auditorium in front of about 5,500 people, the WWF ran a show where Hillbilly yes. Jim yes. defeated Barry, Barry O cousin Luke pin Nikolai Volkov, Adrian Adonis defeated Bob Phillips, the WWE women's champion, the fabulous Mula defeated Susan Starr. The Iron Sheik defeated Corporal Kirshner. Bob Orton defeated Ivan Putsky. The Killer Bees, who are B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel, defeated um, the World Tag Team Champions at the time were Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake via disqualification. So, of course, the title doesn't change hands. And in the main event, WWF champion Hulk Hogan pinned Terry Funk. That's kind of how we start off the year 1986. A lot of the time, First, you know, day of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as wrestling is getting hotter and hotter, um, the talent is getting bigger and, and and better. We're seeing a lot of of guys that were former NWA stars moving to the WWF, and vice versa. WWF stars moving to the NWA. Um, so we got a lot of action going well, on. I and know. In, back and in around 1986. I know back in 86, I remember, remember the Spectrum, right? Yes, I, I love the Spectrum. Okay, okay, okay. What is that? They had, the wrestler wrestled there, okay? Well, only the Tri-State area could see it. But in different areas, they, they uh, said, oh, we're going to go to Baltimore. We're going to put it there, you know. But it's the same card. Mm-hmm. It's yes. the same card all over the state. Yes. Around, boom, there are Asino's matches. Right. Now, Remember that? 
Yeah, and that, and that was the beauty of it. Like you, you know, you you could literally run. We could talk the, like the same card that we just talked about, Mid South, the NWA, yeah. NWWF. You could take that same card and move it to another area, like right boy say, move these these same three, maybe not Mid South so much, but the NWA, um, Jim Crockett Promotions, and the WWF, and move it to Baltimore and do the same shows. And it's this, it's the first time these crowds are seeing it. So the, right. it's, it's all new to them. And then they could move it to Philadelphia where WWF was at the Spectrum and the NWA was at the Civic Center in Philadelphia and run the same exact card. And again, people are seeing it for the first time. It's still not <laughs> stale. It's not old. So you essentially get a... And back in the day, that's how they got their reviews. Uh, hey, we got to do that match again. You know, we got to put it in a different area, get more reviews. And if they like it, then we just got to put it on pay-per-view event. Yeah, and, and it, it, it was really starting to develop. It was really starting to get kind of really hot and heavy in um, in 1986. We'll see a little bit more expansion, a little bit more exposure for the WWF um, and, and all of that stuff. So, you know, it, it's going to be a great year, and we'll see how much we can get through um, before our time is up. But, Rap, will you got anything happening after um, early part of January in All 1986? Right, uh, okay. When it, uh, well, I just mentioned Baltimore, Maryland on the 5th. Okay. It was uh, Pedro Morales defeated Mad, Mad Dog Spot. The yep. guy I don't like, the guy that I don't like. Because in Philadelphia, he didn't even like me because he was trying to put his phone in, in, in my mouth. That's okay. And uh, we had Her Hercules. Hercules Hernandez. How many of you guys know that guy? Because mm. uh, Lenny Papo. Defeated Lenny Papo. And plus we had Hulk Hogan defeated Brutus for Barber Beefcake. Wow. You know, that, that was a quite And Junkyard Dog defeated... Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. I love the junkyard dog. And again, another Mid-South guy coming to the WWF. And, and uh Colonel Kirshner with the King Conga. Now Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik and no 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 contest uh, match. Yeah, Corporal Kirshner was a kind of a flash of the pan, kind of a sidekick to uh, Sergeant Slaughter at the time, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but I, I, I kind of my memory's a little fuzzy about 1986. But I think that's kind of how it went. And and, uh, and the same day, okay, it's uh, JCP and Charlotte, North Carolina. The same day, okay, at the Coliseum there, okay, Ron Bass, you see the George. Southern uh, Road Warrior. Uh, the Road Warrior defeated uh, Thunderfoot. Yeah, Road Warrior Hawk defeated Thunderfoot. Yeah. Why did they say uh, George Southern uh, Road? Is that his name, George? Well, it, it was Ron Bass defeated George South. George South. I, okay. Yeah, I have that same. Yeah, I have that same. That same card here in front of me, and George South is was way you know. The guy did um, did his job. I mean, George South was what you know um, we would call an enhancement talent. Um, wrestled every top star for Jim Crockett Promotions 
Um, in fact, if you watch any of Ric Flair's documentaries, when he talks about wrestling, his favorite opponent, if you will, would be George South because of how good George South made him look um, on television. When, when, when Ric Flair would, would come out on TV, he would rarely would he wrestle a top talent, um, but you got to see Ric Flair, what they used to call it, you know, an old squash match. We knew Ric Flair was going to win, but if you watch, uh, and I, I mean, there's 365 days in a year. I, I would probably be willing to bet that he probably wrestled George South at least 150 times. No, 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 you got me. You go to go to Netflix and watch the Nature Boy Ric Flair's biography. Yeah, or even Google, you know, Ric Flair, you know, talks about George South and you'll see all the things that, that he get, you know, that he says about George South. And a lot of the guys. Now, George South was, you know, a good guy or bad guy, depending on, as most enhancement talents were, they were good or bad, depending on who their opponent was. Um, mm-hmm. But George South was was a phenomenal worker. Um, great guy, made a ton of money um, over the years and essentially did his job and he did it well. Um, you know, and, there, you know, w- without those enhancement talents, we wouldn't have the talent that we have today. And, and and on that, you know, I, I listened to Arn Anderson talk about um, Jamie Noble, and they were in they were in a bar. Um, Arn Anderson happened to be in the same bar where Jamie Jamie Noble was, and um, everybody knew who Arn Anderson was, so everybody was talking about yeah. him. And I don't know if Jamie Noble walked in or if he was already at the bar. Um, and um, one of the the guys that Arn Anderson was talking to, one of the fans was said that, oh look. There's that jobber, Jamie Noble, and Arn Anderson like became infuriated with, with this guy that he was talking to and told him that, you know, we wouldn't be where we are unless these enhancement talents did what they do. They allow us to develop into the stars that we are. It's because of those guys um, that, you know, we are, you know, who we are. Um, and, you know, so it just goes to show you the amount of respect that guys like that, George South, you know, um, and I know Jose Luis Rivera beat Rene Goulet that night, but Jose Luis Rivera was another guy that, you know, was in the same boat as George South. He wrestled every top star. He, he probably wrestled Hulk Hogan, I don't know, 10 or 12 times that year, um, you know, in, in non-main event kind of matches. Um, and from what I understand, Jose Luis Rivera was a a trainer, if you will, you know, an auditioner for, the WWF, they would put a guy that they, they were looking at, whether it be a guy like Bret Hart or Jim Neidhart or any of the, the guys that were coming in, even Hercules Hernandez at the time, and put him against Jose Luis Rivera and wait for his input after the match. You know, So this guy who everybody kind of looked down on as a fan really held the fate of these guys in his hand. He would go back and tell Vince and, and – um, um, Pat Patterson and, and that, you know, whether this guy was worth keeping or not. So their careers were very much in the hands of these guys um, at the time. And I'm sure George South was the same way with some of these guys. Um, every, you know, I, I, I don't think that you find many bad words again, you know, said against guys like that, um, you know, that kind of carried, you know, the organization, you know, to fill stands to get people watching it. Um, 
and things like that. So, you know, when you hear these names, you know, who are these, you know, who are these guys who are they? A lot of these guys really mean the world to the business um, in the, you know, in the world of professional wrestling. Um, so, you know, we, we don't want to look down negatively on, on any of these guys. No. Um, you know, and, you know, they made guys that we, that we watch and admire today, you know, like Jay Lethal and the guy, you know, Christopher Daniels, who I met. Um, and, you know, um, you know, I, I met Bret Hart at an airport in Chicago last year. Um, and they were all super nice. They were all great. Um, yeah. That, I got, I got, put it this way. Jay Lethal, okay. I met him when he was a nobody. All right. Here in Jersey. He used to dress up like the macho man. He used to dress up like the ultimate warrior. He used to done all those characters. He you know, did the best. Day. He did the best macho man Im impression that I've ever seen. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, and, he, yeah. and he did it spot on. Um, with mm -hmm. his whole mannerisms, with the voice, you know, all of it. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was it was it was a really good time, you know, with that that I had at the airport and, you know, it was just a good a time in 1986 and growing up watching wrestling in all the years that I've watched, I started watching in the, in the late seventies, probably 77, 78. Yeah. Uh, I started you know, back in, I started back in 84. Yeah. So I, I think of all of this time, 1986 is probably the best year for about a 20 year span you know, pre-Attitude Era, pre-Monday Night Wars. Um, 1986 was probably one of the best years in pro wrestling because of all the expansion that we saw. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I have um, January 6th in Birmingham, Alabama, at the Boutwell Auditorium. Uh, Tim Horner defeated uh, Ken Timms to win the U.S. Uh, junior heavyweight title. Um, Norvell Austin defeated Adrian Street to win the Southeastern heavyweight title. And then in Tulsa, Oklahoma, same night at, in the convention center, Dick Slater defeated Butch Reed to win the North American title. And Jake Roberts defeated Dick Slater. Oh, wait, did I copy that wrong? I may have typed no, that no, wrong. No, it Jake Roberts defeated Dick Slater to win the vacated Mid-South yeah, mid yeah, but I thought he did that earlier. But again, all of this was happening um, in and around 1986. Um, and, and wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys, Jake the Snake, he wasn't in the WWE yet. No, he wasn't. He was still in Mid-South. We, we don't know yeah. him. And no, Butch Reed. It, I think Butch Reed was in the WWF too for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Butch Reed was, Butch Reed was in there for, for a minute. Um and you know, um, you know, it, it was all before the the really big explosion that WWF is about to, yep. to happen to them. Um, but you know, I want to try to keep moving right along. But I do want to stop real quick on this uh, January 11th. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, January 10th, Pittsburgh. Okay, go ahead. All right, Pittsburgh Civic Center. All right, Scott McGee. But Barry O. Okay. Barry Orton, yep. Yep. They spy, Orton. They spy pinned uh, Terry Gibbs, the British Bulldog, Baby Boy Smith, and Dynamite Kid defeated the, 
the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jimmy Nairunai Hart. Hillbilly Jim defeated Big John Stud in a DQ. Andre Duck Giant defeated no other than King Kong Bundy. Okay. And and Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. pinned Cousin Luke. Cousin Luke. <laughs> Part yeah. of the Hillbilly Jim family. And, and, and right, and this one is great. Paul Ondor fought Roddy Roddy Piper to a double stratification. And Don Morocco defeated Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. <laughs> Don Morocco, Ricky Steamboat. What, that, actually, that actually, this was the same card from the Spectrum back in the day. Back in the day, yes. Well, well here, here we go. I'm going to kind of run WWF at the time. Um, was running. Um, I don't want to say back to back shows, but one show in in Boston on January 11th, and another show in you know our old stomping grounds of Philadelphia Spectrum. Mm-hmm. So in, in the Boston Garden, they had an attendance of 15,000 people. They're calling it a sellout. It was a TV taping, which we would probably watch a week or two later on WWE, WWF Superstars or one of those programs. Lanny Poffo pinned Terry Gibbs. Scott McGee pinned uh, Moondog Spot. Cousin Luke pinned Les Thornton. Randy Savage defeated Intercontinental Champion Tito Santana via a countout. Piper Norton defeated Orndorff and Bruno San Martino in a countout. Terry Funk pinned Pedro Morales. George Wells pinned Iron Mike Sharp. Nikolai Volkov from the Iron Sheik defeated the Junkyard Dog and Corporal Kirshner. And then a couple hundred miles down south, yep. same same day, probably around the same time, um, at the at the Philadelphia Spectrum, the WWF ran a show, 19,000 people. We have 34,000 people roughly getting to see WWF at the time. Dan Spivey pinned Ron Shaw. Jim Neidhart fought B. Brian Blair to a time limit draw. Hercules pinned S.D. Jones. One of my favorites is S.D. Jones. You know, had a real good following here in Philadelphia. Adrian Adonis pinned Tony Atlas. King Tonga defeated Tiger Chung Lee. Paul Kogan and Andre the Giant defeated King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd and Bobby Heenan in a handicap match. Not that Bobby Heenan was much of a, a threat in that match, but I always love seeing Bobby Heenan get tossed around the ring. Bret Hart pinned Ivan Putski. Ricky Steamboat pinned Don Morocco in the no DQ, no count out judo jacket match. I'm not sure exactly what, what that is. The British Bulldogs defeated uh, the tag team champions, Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake via disqualification. Um, and now keep in mind that these guys are traveling literally up and down. These A lot of these shows are stacked one on top of each other day after day. Um, it's not like it is now, um, where they're they're re- not wrestling as, as many house shows. Not all the guys are traveling, but these guys were traveling to Boston, to Philly, to you know, to North Jersey, to mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, to you know, to Ohio, to you know, all these other places, um, you know, to, to to put these shows on, um, and you know, really kind of wearing themselves out, really for for our entertainment and yes. you know, our amusement. Um, and, you know, man, the business has really changed. 
you know, since 1986. Um, and again, it's, it's getting more and more popular. And you'll see, like, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of these matches are all the same matches, same opponents, maybe a little different outcome. They tweak. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, but understand if you're in Boston, you're not watching, you're not able to see what's going on at the spectrum. So you really don't know what happened um, other than, you know, if you went and picked up, you know, pro wrestling illustrated or, you know, the, the wrestling observer or one of those, and they would give you, you know, what happened that month at, you know, or the previous <laughs> month rather on these cards, you know, in these yep. areas, um, yep. it was the only way you would really find out that a lot of these matches are all the same. The opponents are the same, but they were all fresh to all of those watching it. I um, mean, they would only come around maybe once a month, month, every oh, other month. I know it's Spectrum, they did a monthly show. Yep. I've, I've been to a lot of them. I started going there in 1985. I went there in 85, 86, 87. I, and I think my last show was in 88 that I was able to catch um, there. Because, you know, right right after then, you know, I started working, um, delivering newspapers and, and things it's like that. The last show that I went to at the Spectrum, okay, pretty sure it was the Spectrum. I'm not sure. It was a heart attack tour. When was that? Do you remember? I don't remember. That was the last show that I ever went to to attend. Yeah, I can't remember. I know my my last show was around '88. I want to say early '88. Um, maybe as we go through these, I'll I'll remember it as we kind of reminisce. Whether you know, whenever we get to 1988. Um, but again, a lot was happening um, in and around, you know, the area throughout the, you know, the United States with the, with the expansion of of wrestling, and we got a ton of stuff that's happening in January. Um, yes, a lot. You know, and you know, and in in the the for the sake of time, because we're we've been doing this already almost fifty minutes now. Um, yeah. I kind of want to jump down maybe to the end of January. And again, a lot of stuff was happening um, in, in and around the world of professional wrestling. Um, but I, you know, I want to kind of jump down. Let me see how far down I want to go down. Um, let's go to January 25th, just to kind of help save a little bit of time. And maybe we can kind of get through a little yeah. bit of this year. <clears throat> and if we don't get through it all, you know, if we make it to June or July, you know, maybe we'll pick this right up again. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things going on here in, in 86 because this one wrestling was really on the map. Yes, wrestling was really catching fire in 1986. And I don't want to feel like I'm rushing through it just to get to another year. Um, but January 25th, 1986, the WWF's back at the St. Louis um, Keel Auditorium, attendance of about 8,000 people. Dan Spivey defeated Steve Lombardi. And again, this is, um, I believe it was, was this a TV taping? No, it doesn't say. Probably just a house show, January 25th, 1986. Um, and I believe, I believe uh, Steve Lombardi changed his name to the Brooklyn Brawler then. Is this when he changed it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So Dan, Dan Spivey defeats Steve Lombardi. Jim Brunzel defeated Barry O. Junkyard Dog defeated Moondog Spot. Terry Funk defeats Ivan Putsky. Corporate Kirshner and George Steele defeated the Iron Sheik and Alexa Smirnoff. 
Uh, Paul Orndorff pinned Bob Orton Jr. And WWF champion defeated Roddy Piper via countout. And I heard, and I've never gone back and researched it, but I, I've heard it from Piper himself. I've heard it from a lot of other podcast people that during this time, 80, 84, or, yeah, 84-ish, late 84, 85, 86, um, I don't believe Hulk Hogan ever pinned Roddy Piper to win. Um, I don't think he ever got a clean win on him during this time. Nope. Um, and nope. That, was, that was for a reason. And it wasn't just, you know, because Roddy Piper, you know, people say, oh, well, he had a big ego or whatever, which is probably the farthest from the truth of everything I've heard about Roddy Piper. But it was the idea was to keep it, keep it ongoing and we could keep this thing going because it was generating, you know, a, a ton of money for the WWF and Roddy Piper being a heel could always come back to Hulk Hogan saying, you know, you never pinned me. You never beat me. Um, right. Disqualification, count out, doubles, whatever it happened to be. Um, and then Hulk Hogan would, you know, call Piper a cheater and a liar. And and so it, it kept adding fuel to the fire. And, and understand that unlike mo- what I'll call modern wrestling now, most of these feuds only last from one pay-per-view to the next. And they had their big match at, you know, if they, if they wrestled the Royal Rumble and a feud starts there, let's say, it usually ends by WrestleMania um, and it's over. But a lot of these feuds in 86 have gone on, you know, started in 85, continued through 86. Yeah, and, um, but, and ended but sometime in 87. There's one thing about, about these wrestlers, okay? There's one question. That nobody can't answer except for Hulk Hogan. Okay. And it's my dream match, and it never happened. Hulk Hogan versus Superfly Snooker. It never happened. Yeah, that would it, 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 and at the time, you know, Snooker was was a, a big time baby face. Um and of right. course, so was Hulk Hogan. Right. You know, next time I see Hulk, I'm going to ask him that question, see if he can verify how come you never uh, fought Superfly Snooker. Because there were two top stars there. Right, but yeah, and, and I think the problem is that they were both good guys. They are both baby faces, so right. it was hard to get them together. Um, and that's what I liked about um, Jim Crockett promotions, especially the way they, they had Ric Flair – packaged and and were selling him was he literally defended his title he could defend his title you know and, and at the time 1985 86 <clears throat> Nikita Koloff was a bad guy he was a, a, a Russian who wanted to destroy the United States mm-hmm. and Ric Flair would wrestle Nikita Koloff you know you know let's and I'll just throw a date out there you know at the beginning of March and in the same month you know so now everybody's cheering Ric Flair because they they hated Nikolai or Nikita Koloff Right. In the same month, he would wrestle Dusty Rhodes. And again, Ric Flair would go back to being the bad guy. Uh, well, what is that? What is that? It's always been this, 80, 86 used to be the good guy versus the bad guy. That's always what we wanted. But now, right. today, now today, there ain't no good guy or no bad guy, you know? It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not as defined um, as it was, you know, back here in 1986. Right. Right. You know, it was it was a, 
a little bit blurred and more so blurred for <clears throat> Jim Crockett promotions because of how they um how they packaged Ric Flair and he was a true you know world champion he defended his title against whoever the top person was in that area or you know you know we're going back to the territory days to the old mid south territory right days. right you could bring Ric Flair in and he could wrestle you know Jerry Lawler um and be a bad guy you know he could wrestle you know, go out to Portland and wrestle, you know, Roddy Piper or Roddy Piper, you know, was either a good guy or a bad guy. And they would, it would be able to, to, to pull that off and, and make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was a different time. It was a great time to be a wrestling fan because, you know, in the same night in January 25th at the Greensboro Coliseum, Jim Crockett promotions, old stomping ground, Nelson Royal defeated Jim Jeffers, Denny Brown, <clears throat> who was at one time the NWA light, Heavyweight champion, <clears throat> excuse me, defeated Mike Jeffers. NWA Mid-Atlantic champion Sam Houston fought Black Bart to a draw. And the, the Mid-Atlantic champion at, at this time was was more of a um, a mid-card kind of championship. I, I don't want to really call it the, like a, like an intercontinental title because it was a, a, at this time it was just a, a step below that. And I'm not being disrespectful to the title at all in the history that it has because a lot of great people have held the – Mid-Atlantic Championship. It just happened to be Sam Houston at this time. Um, so he fought Black Black Bart to a draw. Don Carnudo and Ron Bass defeated Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Um, NWA U.S. Champion Magnum T.A. pinned NWA TV Champion Arn Anderson. Um, wish I could see. I'm sure that it could be. I can find that on um, YouTube. I think that would have been a great match. Jimmy Valiant defeated Tully Blanchard in a taped fist match. And NWA champion defeated NWA national champion Dusty Rhodes. Um, and it says via reverse decision. So I'm imagining it's what they would call an old Dusty finish where Dusty would appear to be the winner. Um, and then they they yeah. reverse it for whatever reason. Um, you know, it it didn't happen. You know, they gave the decision to Ric Flair, um, which happened, I don't want to say a lot, in 86. But it, it kind of happened a lot um, in 86, and it was always great. And what I loved about the old um, NWA worldwide tapings that we would see on Saturday, um, yeah. I talked about it on the yeah. show here before, was they would always have kind of a what I call a semi-main event, um, whether it be one-on-one or a tag team or whatever. And just as – the action was starting to break down and it looked like it, you know, it, it could go either way. It was starting to get a little chaotic at the end. The TV show would end and it would tell you, you had to tune in next week to find out what happened. Yeah. Um, yep. And they kind of left you that. hanging. And for, for well, some of you old. Plus, plus, if you notice, okay, what they're doing today is wrong. Back in the day, they just had the wrestlers right there around ringside talking, but they don't even do that no more. <clears throat> yeah, no, yeah, they don't do that as much anymore. They would always interview the guy right after his match, and yeah. you could see him kind of breathing heavy, trying to catch his breath. Meanwhile, yeah. my man Tony Schiavone or Jim Ross or even um, David Crockett's got a microphone in their face <clears throat> trying to talk about it. Um, and, you know, the guy's all sweaty. He might be a little bloody. Um, I know it's funny to get interfered by a wrestler knocking the guy out. Right. And again, that's how they kind of ended the show. And what I was going to say was it, it for some of you old school guys out there, they always kind of had that kind of who shot JR moment 
Right. And to make you tune in the next week. Now, Who Shot JR was a thing they came up with on a TV show called Dallas, where somebody killed JR Ewing. Um, Larry Hagman, who played JR, um, was a bad guy on television. And at the end of the season, I can't remember what year it was, um, but it had to be right around this time. Um, somebody shot him. And nobody, and that's how the TV show ended. So you had to wait, you know, all all summer for the reruns until right and oh excuse me. You would find out who shot him, you know, in a couple of months, not just next week, but it took a couple of months. And it what it did was it built the anticipation to tune into Dallas when it premiered that fall <clears throat> to find out who shot JR. Um, but but Jim Crockett Promotions was really good at it. Um and they didn't do it every week, but they probably did it once or twice a month yeah. <clears throat> while you're watching Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon wrestling to make you tune in the following week. They did the same thing on, on the, the 605 broadcast on TBS. Um, and you no, know, I did not get the time wrong. Um, excuse me. TBS back in the day was always notorious for starting any program on the 05 or on 35 past the hour. That was just their thing. They don't do it anymore, but it used to be. That's when TBS started their programming was at 05 and 35 past the hour. Um, yeah, yeah. TBS, we didn't have a TBS up here until we had cable. Right, and this was the very, very, very beginning of cable television yes. um, at its time. I know up here we had, it was called the old Gerald box, where mm-hmm. your TV was connected to a, a literal box that you push down, you had a B and C band. And I think there was 15 channels across. So you had 45 channels that you could pick from. And usually the middle bands were your HBO and prism and, and things like that. And you would just click the button, select what band it was, push the button and your TV would magically turn to like, I'll say TBS. And I know TBS from, from having that old Gerald box was channel 22 on my box. You put, yeah. you know, go down to the middle band, <clears throat> you know, you had to add 15 and, and, and seven, you got 22, boom, <clears throat> you push that button. We, and uh, we, on. we started with uh, Comcast. I, I started with Garden State Cable. I started with Comcast and Comcast had over 152 channels up at, at once. Oh, so so, look how many channels they got now. A lot. Yeah. And I mean, free cable. Pre-cable, we had, what, 3, 6, 10, 12, 17, 23, 29, 57, 48, 65. So we had probably 11 or 12 channels that we watched. Yeah, the kids always had something to watch. Got, you're down <clears throat> in South Jersey. I'm in Central Jersey. I used to pick up New York Station and Philadelphia Station. I was right, right in between. I had more stations up here. Well, yeah, you were yeah, you were able to get you know channel nine and channel eleven out of New York, which I loved. WWOR and WPIX, which eventually yep. I got as cable expanded. Um, but man, what, you know, what a great time I to, to I bleed down yeah. there. You didn't carry the MSG station, no. Madison Square Garden. I did. No, we didn't. Now the only way we got Madison Square Garden, I think we and we didn't get it often, and you had to believe it or not. I'll tell you how you could find out was it, it was pre having the guide on the TV. You used to have a magazine called TV guide, which told you what was on TV that week. And you had to buy <clears throat> the TV guide, but my grandmom had it delivered to the house, delivered to her house in Levittown. Yeah. And 
you could find out at like three in the morning that MSG was, you know, going to air. <clears throat> well, they're, you know, for an hour, they were going to have Madison Square Garden wrestling on, but it would be on like an odd channel at like two o'clock in the morning. Um, You got to see an hour of Madison Square Garden wrestling, which, you know, as a kid on a Friday or Saturday night, I stayed up and was watching TV at two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. to catch these shows. Same thing with the AWA did it um, with ESPN being in its infancy. But again, it was on at, you know, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night for an hour. Um, and you got to see AWA wrestling out of Minnesota. And, and I saw all these guys and I'm like, man, this is, this was awesome. This, this was a great time. And I'm telling you, you know, you, we can debate, I'll debate 86 against any other error that you want. Um, and I believe 86 hands down is the best year of pro wrestling. Yes, it um, was. Yes, it and was. It, you know, it, it, it was, you know, and I love the attitude era. I love, you know, the, the ruthless aggression. I love the Monday night wars, but there was now 1986 is confined to one year, 12 months. And it was some of the hottest, best wrestling <clears throat> that we're going to see. And all of these guys are legends in their own right. Um, yep. Even guys like George South and Jose Luis Rivera and the Brooklyn Brawler, who for a long time um, was, I believe, was the longest tenured wrestler for WWF. And they never really admitted it because they had the Undertaker there. He was there forever. Yep. Steve Lombardi was there before the Undertaker showed up and was there, you know, in some capacity, I believe, to after the Undertaker left almost. Um, I would want to say he probably a WWF employee at some level, whether he was a wrestler or a producer backstage or whatever. I would probably, if I was betting, I would bet he was employed by the WWF close to 30 years. Yes. Um, that's like Charles like Slaughter. You know, he was like there. Slaughter. George South was a mainstay for Jim Crockett promotions for a long, long time. <clears throat> um, Jose Luis Rivera was around a long time. Um, so all of these guys were, were, were there. They were mainstays. Um, but again, you know, back to 1986, um, Rapo, I got January 26, and then <clears throat> I'll let you wrap up January, but January 26, 1986, world-class championship wrestling out of um, Dallas, Texas, Fritz von Erich <clears throat> territory, had wrestling Star Wars in Fort Worth right outside Dallas at the convention center, drawing about 8,100 people. Jerry Allen defeated uh, Tommy Montoya. Chris Adams beat Gino Hernandez via disqualification. This is right as Chris Adams and Gino were breaking up. Um, They were tag team, really great tag team. I believe they were world-class tag team champions at one time. Uh, I think they were the, the, the dynamic duo or the dynamic dudes or something like that. Um, Mark Youngblood beat Jack Victory. Iceman Parsons and one of my all-time favorite world-class wrestlers, The Missing Link, beat Rick Rude and The Grappler. Um, John Tatum beat Brian Adias. Bruiser Brody and Kerry and Lance Von Erich um, beat world-class six-man tag team champions, the Freebirds. And if you know anything about Texas and the Von Erichs, (coughs) excuse me, and the Freebirds, this is where it's at. Um, however, they beat them via disqualification. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to see if I can um, YouTube this because I would love to see 
Bruiser Brody and, and the and the Von Erichs <clears throat> with with along with the Freebirds, you know, just reminisce and, and watch it one more time. And a battle of the valets, um, Sunshine beat Missy Hyatt via countout, and Bruiser Brody beat the one man gang <clears throat> in a steel cage chain match. And that's probably the match that I really want to see. Um, a very young one man gang, kind of up and coming, got to start in mid south. Yes, yes. Um, but to see him and Bruiser Brody in a steel cage chain match had to be out of this world. I believe that was his last one, too, the one-man gang. Oh, in, in, in Dallas? Yes, I think, yeah, before he went to the WWE. Before he went to the WWE, okay. Pretty so sure. I, so I that, left off. That's, not, that's how you know. <clears throat> if he gets into the cage match, you know that somebody's leaving. Right, that was what, you know, the, the old-timers will call it the blow-off match. <clears throat> that's what they reserved big time matches like that. And we, you know, we see a steel cage match almost every, every other week now it feels like, but a cage match was a big deal. A chain yeah. match, a dog collar match, a no disqualification and I quit match, which we'll get to hopefully this, this hour. Um, if not, you know, we'll definitely pick it up again next week. Cause I do want to <clears throat> cover all of 1986 and we're not even out of January yet, but if again, if yeah. you're going to be part of this, this call tonight and, Kind of give us your opinion on 1986. Again, it's real easy on your smart device, whatever you use, cell phone, tablet, laptop, whatever you use. It's real simple. You go to your incognito browser and type in callvoc.com, follow the prompts, you get in, be able to participate and talk about, you know, everything happening in the world of professional wrestling in 1986. It's a wrap. I left off for January 26. Give me one more date in 86. Before we or January of '86, before we moved to February. All right, all right. Uh, I'm going to jump down to uh, January 31st. January 31st. All right, in, all right, you... in, in Houston, Texas. Okay. All right, the North American title, where Jake, where Jake Roberts defeated no other than Dick Slater. Yep, and I uh, just well, watched. Go ahead. I'll, go I'll, I'll interject, but go ahead. Go on. Go on. Well, I, and I, I got to remember what <clears throat> when it was from, but I remember what because I, I had the Peacock, so I was watching some old Mid South wrestling, and <clears throat> Dick Slater had his valet Dark Journey, I believe, was his Dick Slater's valet. Dick Slater's a bad guy. Jake Roberts here is a good guy um, for Mid South, and Dick Slater is talking about holding the the North American heavyweight title and the television title at the same time. Um, and again, back in the day, it was against Mid-South rules for one champion to hold two titles. So Jake Roberts comes to the ring and um, he gets, you know, he gets into a verbal match with Dick Slater and they're, they're both kind of exchanging insults and I'm going to do this to you. You're going to do this to me, blah, blah, blah. So Jake goes to leave. And I don't know if Slater hits him, and knocks him down, and he turns around, and when he does, Dark Journey throws some, it looked like ink, into his eyes, and Dick Slater is now blinded, and he can't see, and he's feeling around, he's trying to reach for Dick Slater to grab him. Well, he grabs a hold of Dark Journey, who he thinks is Dick Slater, and gives her one 
Fantastic DDT. I think I, I, think I saw that. Now, wrong now, now you can say, well, you know, that's not a big deal. But in 1986, it was a huge deal because most of the, the male talent did not put their hands on the female, female You know, it right. was just the time. It didn't happen. And, and in, the, in the off chance that you did, usually somebody would intercede before something happened to the female valet manager, whatever you want to call them, to stop anything from happening. But this is one of those wow moments. And if you're an old ECW fan, it would be an, oh, my God, um, um, Joey Styles kind of reaction um, in the in so much as when they cut back to, I think it was Bill and Joel Watts who were there. Or I know, I, I'm pretty sure Bill Watts was part of it, but I, I would have to go back and rewatch it again. And right. he apologized for the actions of Jake Roberts and, and <clears throat> selling the idea that Jake Roberts didn't know who he had. He thought he had Dick Slater. You know, Jake Roberts feels horrible about it. You know, I talked to him. He's on his way to the hospital to get checked out, but he's very sorry for what happened to Dark Journey, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So it was a it was a <clears throat> a huge deal um, in 1986 for a, a male talent to put their hands on a female talent and actually follow through, which at the time – the DDT was, and to me, still probably one of the best finishers <clears throat> in the business because, you know, Jake Robertson, if you watch Jake Roberts' career, when he when he started using the DDT, it came out of nowhere. Um, and he yep. could hit, hit, hit you at, with it at any time. And he could look like he's on the ropes and he hits you with the DDT, your lights get turned out, <clears throat> and the match is over. So for it to happen to a female, I mean, it was, it was a real – really you know rough time in mid-south at the time because now they what they were going to do what appears to be damage control and apologize because they they know what's about to come they know the repercussions that are coming you know about a male talent putting his hands on a female performer so i don't know if it happened i, I, I heard about or, that or and I, this. I heard about yeah. it and i saw some of it you know but not the whole income of it you know yeah and, and i didn't watch and, and and I watched that episode and I would have, I got to go back and watch the next episode to see kind of what the fallout from that was. Again, I don't remember what, <clears throat> what time frame it was. Maybe we'll cover it here. I don't know. <clears throat> I didn't really read all of my notes um, that I was taking. Um, and and, the, same, and the same day, same day, you know, on the 31st of January. Okay. WWF had the closed circuit TV event. Right. Now, Closed okay. Circuit was the predecessor to pay-per-view. Right. It was offered, you know, on a limited basis, <clears throat> um, and not everybody could get it. And I don't know the exact rules of um, the whole Closed Circuit thing, <clears throat> but this was the introduction to what we now know. Well, it was pay-per-view, but now we call it a premium live event for whatever reason. Um, mm -hmm. But this was the, the, the grandfather, if you will, to what we would now call a premium live event, but good. So we're in Omaha, Nebraska for a closed circuit event. What do you well, got? They, they, they're saying that they had no who uh, resort to unknown, but for one match that I know, it was Hulk Hogan with Hillbilly Jim, defeated Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy. Yeah, and, and Studd and Bundy were the, the monster heels throughout 86, challenging Hulk Hogan. Um, who again is is 
growing into this larger than life character. Um, you'll see that talking about this know, guy. See, talking about this guy. There, there you go, and you'll you'll see. And, and I and I again, I, I we're not down that far. We haven't gone all through the year yet. But you'll rarely see Hulk Hogan lose in '86. He might lose on a disqualification, um, but I I doubt we'll see Hulk Hogan getting his shoulders pinned for the one, two, three to end the match um, against all of these guys. And they were bringing in every the, the WWF at this time is starting now to get bigger talent. Um, they're bringing in like we saw like Junkyard Dog, Big John Stud, King Kong Bundy. They'll be bringing in either it's this year or next. We'll we'll cover it. The one man gang, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow, all of these big monster guys to challenge Hulk Hogan because really it doesn't look like anybody is is going to be able to beat him, um, you know, for his world heavyweight title. <clears throat> so, again, you know, that, and I mean, it took us an hour and 17 minutes to cover one month of pro wrestling. So, we'll, I mean, we're, we're probably going to continue this again next week. Yeah. Um, but again, we'll see how far we get because I doubt we're going to cover 11 months in 45 minutes be- just because of everything that's going on, um, you know, in the world of professional wrestling with its growth, with its expansion. Um, and you'll start seeing some patterns here, as we were talking about earlier in January. It'll continue through February and March um, as we're building towards, um, you know, the the next WrestleMania that's coming up. Um, Starcade happens a little yeah. later in the year. Um so you'll you know you'll want to be you'll want to listen to that um, and tune in for that. Um, but I'm going to start off February 1st, 1986. Jim Crockett Promotions is at the yeah, Philadelphia this, Civic yeah, Center. This is the first time they ever showed up here, too. The first yeah, this, time. This is you know the 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 entrance into NWA, kind of infiltrating a little bit into WWE, WWF territory. Because I'm and I'm going to keep saying WWF because that's who they were at the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're starting to migrate a little bit north. They're trying to expand. They really have the south probably from Virginia all the way to, to Florida, over to Alabama, Louisiana, that kind of territory. They mix in a little bit with mid-south. Um, so they have pretty much the southeastern part of the United States kind of locked up. Um, and we'll see. <laughs> WWF is going to make its way down and out that way during this year. But we're at the spectrum on February 1st, 1986. <clears throat> 6,500 people. The Italian Stallion defeated Jim Jeffers. The Italian Stallion was a big, Whoops. young kid, kind of barrel-chested guy. He was an enhancement talent that was used. <clears throat> so I'm sure through 1986 you'll hear his name a lot. Um, but he beats Jim Jeffers. Ronnie Garvin defeats Thunderfoot. Baron Von Raschke, an, an AWA um, wrestler coming over. To Jim Crockett Promotions. Yeah, that's the guy with the claw. The Iron Claw. The yes. German, the 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 German um, wrestler um, with the Iron Claw defeats yes, Pistol Pez I, I, I really like him. I, I bought a shirt and all this other stuff, but what happened to it? I don't know. And we have the NWA National Champion Dusty Rhodes defeating Tully Blanchard. And again, we'll see You'll see a lot in 86, Dusty Rhodes, Tully Blanchard, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Magnum TA, all kind of mixing it up in 1986. And then NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky and Robert, 
Yes. Defeating the Midnight Express of Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry um, via disqualification. Um, NWA World Champion Ric Flair fought Magnum TA, which in the ending of this, you, you very rarely see in a 60-minute time limit draw, um, which was, you know, to wrestle a 10- or 15-minute match to see these guys blown up the way they are, try doing it for 60 minutes and – I don't want to say it because back back in 1986, it wasn't as high impact <clears throat> as it is now. There's not a lot of guys jumping off of things and, and doing high impact stuff. Well, I this think that's pure the, wrestling. At, you I know, think that's the first time they've ever done that, too, the 60 uh, time limit, you know? I think well, that's the first time they've ever done it. It, 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 it. I think Ric Flair's done it a couple of times, but it's starting to get a little more prevalent in the in the mid-'80s. You know, the, Ric Flair was the 60-minute man. He goes 60 minutes with anybody, they said. Um, but yeah. it really was to see a wrestling match where they're truly wrestling each other <clears throat> for 60 minutes. Very, very limited, what I'll call breaks, where you, you wouldn't see an, a headlock, you know, just so they could rest <clears throat> for more than maybe a minute or two. Um, so to see these guys go 60 minutes, you know, was, you know, just just an awesome thing to see. And then in the main event, and only because I believe it was a cage match, it's the Road Warriors defeating Ivan and Nikita Koloff, again, in a steel cage. And again, it's building the, the tension between the Russians and the Road Warriors, who, again, came over from the AWA. Um, and when they first came to, to Jim Crock promotions, they were bad guys. <clears throat> they are now good guys at this point, battling the Russians um, in a steel cage match. So what do you got for in the February, Rat Boy? All right, I got. Hang on. Oops. Wrong one. There. February. February. You done February first. I did February first. Okay. Uh. February second. That was a good card. In Atlanta, Georgia, at the Army. Saw 700 people, 7,000 people. I think this is one of the best ones they ever had on TBS. I think this is the first time when TBS came on TV. Yes, 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 yeah, I have it as a, as it, it happened on the second, but we as fans, it was a live, you wouldn't see it till February 7th, 1986. So <clears throat> almost a week later. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, they had a dark match. Yep. Before before you even hit on TV or anything like that, when they say dark match, you ain't going to see it on TV. Right. It's to get the crowd <clears throat> excited and into the match and kind of <clears throat> build the excitement. So when they go right. live, the crowd is a little bit charged up. There's There were no fireworks back in the day. There no. was none of this stuff that they do now. They had matches probably a half hour or so before bell time to get the crowd excited and on their feet and cheering and screaming. <clears throat> but what was the dark match, Rat Boy? The dark match was Ron Bass versus uh, the Barbarian. Ron Bass and the Barbarian. Again, that, that match could have happened anywhere on this card, and it would have been a great match. I always liked Ron Bass. You know, and as a kid, I was afraid of the Barbarian because of how he looked and just how big he was. Um, and, you know, I, again, I love the Barbarian, love Ron Bass. What, what else happened on that card? I mean, I had the, the Iron Claw versus beat the Italian Stallion. That was a dark match. 
the okay. iron claw. Oh right. man, I love that guy. <laughs> and uh, we had the uh, the boogie the boogie woogie man Jimmy Valiant versus Ollie Anderson in a DQ match. Yeah, so you had three dark matches to get yeah. the crowd excited, and it, it wasn't mid card talent they were using. It wasn't two enhancement talents they used. They were using <clears throat> who were what I'll call upper mid card to top guys. You had Ron Bass and the Barbarian, Baron Von, Baron Von Raschke, um, Jimmy Valiant, and Art Anderson, who we saw each and every week on television. Except you didn't, you wouldn't see the these guys on television at this particular. <clears throat> taping, you know, we would, you know, we didn't get to see those. We didn't. And again, that was right. a way to get the, the crowd energized and charged up for the show. Right. They would use that match later on down the road somewhere. Put it right. on TV. Right. So what happened during the actual taping, right? But what did we see? Huh? What did we uh, see once they went live? What was the card? The, the live card was the Midnight Express. Be the rock and roll express. And that was the best match ever. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's when the, the, they actually beat them at the Midnight Express, won the, the NW World NWA World Tag Team titles. Yes, yes. On February 2nd. Yes, um, and we had the the Road Warriors versus Hawking An- Hawk and Animal, the Ivan and Nikolai Volkov in the DQ match. Right. Okay, and plus the Dusty Rose drew uh, Tully Blanchard. Yeah, time limit draw. It was a draw. It was a drew. They they got drew. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and the NWA champion Ric Flair pinned Ron Garvin. Pin, pin Ronnie uh, Garvin. Ronnie Garvin. I I like the guy. I like the, the character that he came in as. You know, Ronnie Garvin. You know. Right. With the white, white, white suit and all, going around dancing and all, he was cool as hell, Ron Garvin. I, 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 I did like, I did like Ron Garvin. Um, yeah. But I'm gonna um jump down to um the WWF in Cincinnati, um that okay. that very same day. Um again, just <clears throat> trying to get in <clears throat> as much of February as we can because again we're kind of running out of time. Um. WWF Cincinnati, Ohio, the Riverfront Coliseum in front of 10,000 people. King Tonga defeated Iron Mike Sharp, Canadian's greatest athlete, Iron Mike Sharp. Um, I always love Iron Mike Sharp. You know, just a big guy. I mean, if you ever get to see any of Iron Mike Sharp's non-WWF matches, I would encourage you to YouTube them and, and take a look at Just to show you how some of these guys who we viewed as, you know, lesser talent and again i don't mean that as an insult but just to see really how good they were um as wrestlers when they wrestled out of the wwf you know what i call broadcast area um just to see how <clears throat> how good and how talented these guys were we had steve yeah. uh steve geez george Steele, george the animal steel steve lombardi go ahead george Steele, george animal <laughs> steel <laughs> and you got That's them all cool. tonight Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan, I got the Macho Man. You got the Macho Man. George Steele defeating Steve Lombardi. I got Flash Snooker. Mr. USA Tony Atlas defeating Tiger Chung Lee. J. 
Junkyard Dog defeated Hercules Hernandez. Um, Hulk Hogan, the WWF champ, pinned Terry Funk. Corporal Kirshner defeated the Iron Sheik. And NWA, oh, geez, sorry. WWF tag team champions are now going <clears throat> by the Dream Team. Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake defeated the Killer Bees, B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel. And for those of you that, that may be unfamiliar with the Killer Bees, they they were a, a babyface tag team yes. that, that would use heel tactics to kind of gain an advantage. And by that, I mean now <laughs> B. Brian Blair was probably 50, 60 pounds lighter than Jim Brunzel. They're com- built completely different. Um, you can tell <clears throat> B. Brian Blair apart from Jim Brunzel, and I say that, because at, at a point in the match sometimes, and I don't know if it happened during this particular match, but they would they were the killer bees, so they were in black and yellow. Um, yes, would, and plus, plus, every time when they win, they spit their meshes on. Remember yes, that? They, 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 would, they would go, like, one of them would fall out of the ring or something would happen, and they would literally crawl under the ring so the camera wouldn't catch it. And they would both come back out wearing masks. So now yep. you would you wouldn't know which Who's who who is who, but again with a sixty five pound seventy pound difference, you could clearly tell. These fan us fans who supported the Killer Bees knew who they were, right? And yet we we cheered when they pulled a bad guy tactic because finally the good guys are trying to get a little bit, even though it's underhanded and it's sneaky. <clears throat> they're using the, the the bad guys' own medicine against them. And it was a great time. It was a really a really interesting concept at the time. But again, so simple. Um, just a simple twist to what we've come used to, what bad guys are doing. Um, right. You know, now a, you know, a good guy tag team is doing it. Um, now, 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 now you can see the tables changing now. The good guys are picking up on the bad guys to get back at the bad guys better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely so what do you got after february 2nd rap what's our next date we're going to um let me see i'm not sure uh how about the seventh pa at the civic center Okay. Tony Correa and the, the, the Red Menace. Who was the Red Menace? That name sounds familiar. The Red Menace. I never heard of him. Don't tell me that was, um, what's his name, first name? Um... I can't think of his name. The Red Rooster. No, no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't him. No, let me see here. The Red Menace was The Red Menace was around that much. No, he wasn't. No, I, you know, I'm sure he's. He was a you know, uh, kind of you know what I'll call you know uh, an enhancement talent of a some jobber. sort. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't see. You know, I can't find anything. I'm trying to do a, a quick search. Um, the only thing I can think of, it, let's see, Red Menace. 
No, I can't. I can't find anything on them. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't. But he's probably some, some sort of journeyman um, wrestler. Um, but Tony Gria, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a legend in in his own right. Um, really great wrestler in in the late '60s, '70s. Um, you know, held the WW. I don't know if it was WWF or WWF tag team titles at one time um but again it's good to see tony Gria on a on a card in 1986 <clears throat> what happened after that match rat boy hang on i'm checking myself about the red menace uh we get back to that pretty soon all right we had the um colonel carsoner pin uh tiger chong lee i always, I always like Tiger Chung Lee. I love Tiger Chung Lee. Him and Mr. Fuji were great. Yes. Yeah. Great tag team. Always throwing salt in people's eyes. That was great. And uh, King Tonga pinned uh, Iron Mike Sharp. Wait a minute. Yeah, I think right. the match that Iron Mike Sharp didn't use his band when he went like this, you know, turning around and hit people with. Remember that? Right, yeah, well, you, I mean, you try to hit King Tonga in the head, you're, you know, you might as well just be hitting concrete. Yeah, and uh, Dave Spotty pinned uh, Rene Goulet. That's Rene another Goulet. guy. That's another guy I like. Rene Goulet. Yeah, I, I, I liked Rene Goulet. The Frenchman. Yeah, the Iron Sheet uh, defend uh, George Steele in his, in his DQ match. The World Tag Team Champion, the Dream Team, Valentine and Brutus for Barber Beefcake. I believe this is when Jimmy, uh, what came around with the Dream Team? Uh, I would have to check. Yeah, I I, I think you're right, but I would definitely have to check. But it it sounds about right. Yeah, and plus we had the British Bulldog. You know, they defeated the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. WWE International Champion Tito Santana pinned Randy Savage. And a Junkyard Dog pinned Terry Funk. I, I, I always liked when Tito Santana and Randy Savage got together. I, I thought they were, they had great matches together. In fact, yeah. I, I was listening to um, <clears throat> Stone Cold Steve Austin had uh, Jesse Ventura on one of, one of his podcasts. I don't know how old it was. Um, and he was talking about Jesse Ventura and um, like who his, one of who his favorite, you know, opponent was or opponents are. And without, without hesitation, he said, you know, he liked working with Tito Santana. He, <laughs> he, he liked wrestling. He was, you know, they worked great together in the ring. Tito Santana knew what he was doing. Um, great professional. Um, and then of course, you know, he, uh, Jesse steps into commentating, um, due to some blood clots and stuff and health issues, you know, he's not really able to wrestle anymore. Um, and he goes on to insult, um, Tito Santana in his, in his interviews. And what I didn't know until that, um, that particular podcast was everything that he said, because he respected Tito so much. 
that everything he said that that was going to be said, he ran by Tito first and said, listen, you know, I'm thinking about saying this or saying that. And Tito was like, absolutely. Whatever, whatever's going to, you know, draw the heat on you and, you know, and make the crowd not like you, you know, I'm all for it. It was, um, you know, so Tito Santana, you know, was, was supporting it. And it was great because Jesse Ventura was a great heel commentator. Um, you know, he, um, did a great job on, I think he was one of the, probably one of the top five commentators for the WWF at the time. Um, him, you know, with Gorilla Monsoon and Vince McMahon and everything that he did there was, was just a great, you know, great entertainer. Great okay. Person. I found out who was the Red Menace. Okay. Okay. He was born in October 10th, 1920. He passed Ooh. away in 81. No other than Pedro Goldu. If he passed away in 81, it can't be the same guy because we're in 86. Yeah, maybe his uh, son picked his uh, name up or something like that. Because that's the original, that's original, the original. Uh, menace, Red okay. Menace. And somebody else used his name. Right. <clears throat> But again, you know, it, it's it's starting to to get really good in the WWF because on the same night that they are, <clears throat> excuse me, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Civic Center, they are also in Detroit, Michigan at the the old Joe Louis Arena. Yes, uh, right, just shy of twelve thousand people are in attendance. Lanny Poffo pinned Paul Christie. George Wells uh, pinned Jerry Valiant. Uh, Bob Orton pinned Pedro Morales. <clears throat> Uncle Elmer, speaking of the devil, defeated Jesse Ventura via disqualification. Um, Roddy Piper pinned Hillbilly Jim. Which guy? Jesse Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> um, Big John Stud <clears throat> pinned Tony Atlas. Adrian Adonis pinned Scott McGee. Cousin Luke beat Steve Lombardi. And the Killer Bees defeated uh, the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Uh, I I think I think this is uh this month when Hillbilly Jim brought his brought his cousins in, you know, Uncle yeah, they, Elmer and cousin Luke. Yeah, they're they're know. starting to form that that little hillbilly click that they had, um, yes. which will bleed over into Saturday night's main event. Um when we get there. Um you'll see it. And then on February eighth at the Boston Garden. In front of a sellout crowd of just over sixteen thousand people, uh, it was a TV taping, um, which is great to have a TV taping from the Boston Garden. Lanny Poffo, Macho Man's brother, pins Paul Christie. Yeah, CV Afi pinned Barry O. George Steele pinned Tiger Chung Lee. Hillbilly Jim defeated Big John Stud via countout. Randy Savage wins the Intercontinental Title. From Tito Santana that night, the Hart Foundation Hart Foundation defeat the Killer Bees. Ricky Steamboat pinned Don Morocco in a martial arts match, and Bruno San Martino defeats Roddy Piper in a steel cage match. So it's good to see Bruno, you know, back at the Garden, um, which I'm sure he you know he made help he helped make famous along with Madison Square Garden, um, and then the same night. At the Same spectrum, night, well, I guess in front of nineteen thousand people, so we have nice. So 
about 35,000 people are watching WWE wrestling um, on February 8th of 1986. Um, George Scallon pinned Ron Shaw. Pedro Morales beat Rene Goulet. Hercules pinned Scott McGee. Corporal Kirshner pinned the Iron Sheik. Adrian Adonis pinned George Wells. Junkyard Dog pinned Terry Funk. The WWF Tag Team Champions, um, Brutus and, and Valentine, defeat the British Bulldogs. Dan Spivey pinned Iron Mike Sharp. And Hulk Hogan defeats King Kong Bundy via disqualification. Who's that and and I and I I want to say I I think I was there that night. I remember Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy. I was there. I, I was there. Definitely there that night. Going. And it was a Saturday, It was a Saturday too. A Saturday night. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was there. And then you know, if, if you had cable at the time, if you couldn't make it to the Spectrum on that Saturday, if you had. The pay channels, there was a channel called Prism, which was kind of competing with HBO at the time. <clears throat> you could catch Saturday night wrestling from the spectrum Sunday afternoon. I want to say around one o'clock, maybe three o'clock in the afternoon um, on Sunday. I mean, the, the next, the uh, very I know, next day. I, know, uh, I was there in February with my, uh, with my girlfriend. I had a girlfriend back in the day. And we went and uh, had to go go see her. She lives in Williamstown. I had okay. to travel down to Williamstown from there. They picked me up at the Lindemore Speed Line. Then we all went to the wrestling show. Oh, wow. Okay. And we were there early enough. <laughs> I saw, and uh, I I believe they all got off buses at that gate, that time. All right. Because they all got off of, off of two buses. One, one okay. good guy bus and one bad guy bus. They brought them in. They put right there by the ramp. They all got off. And the last person who got off the bus was a junkyard dog. I took a picture of him. And he said, yo, brother, you better eat those cakes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so I, I, I want to jump down to Valentine's Day, 1986. So February 14th, 1986. The Battle of the Belts. Part two or two in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Eddie Graham Sports Arena. Um, the Bahamas champion, Tyree Pride, pin Ron Slinker. Florida champion, Kendall Windham, Barry Windham's brother, pin Rocky Iokea. NWA junior heavyweight champion, Danny Brown, beat the White Ninja via disqualification. And a, a very young Lex Luger pin Jesse Barr. To win the Southern title, Bruiser Brody battled Wahoo McDaniel to a double countout, which would be a fantastic match to see. The Road Warriors and Blackjack Mulligan <clears throat> battled Kevin Sullivan, Mark Lewin, and Maya Singh <clears throat> to a double countout. And NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair battled Barry Windham to a double countout. Um, so a pretty decent card in Florida, down in Orlando, pre-NXT, pre Pre the, the developmental center down there, um, Florida really was a, again, like the state of Texas was a, a big hotbed for professional wrestling. Dusty Rhodes was there a lot down in FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling. Um, the Grams were big down there. Um, and the same same night, 
the WWF is all the way out in Los Angeles, California, and they were able to draw 15,000 people. So you kind of see the, <clears throat> the reach that <clears throat> the WWF is starting to get as they move west um, and into these other territory-type areas. Um, C.V. Afi defeated Rene Goulet. Hercules Hernandez defeated S.G. Jones. Steve Gatorwolf and Dan Spivey beat Matt Bourne and Mr. X. Oh, uh, Adrian, Adrian Adonis defeated Jose Luis Rivera. The Hart Foundation defeated George Wells and Scott McGee. Pedro Morales beat Bob Orton via disqualification. Ricky Steamboat defeats Don Morocco. Roddy Piper defeated the Junkyard Dog. And we have probably for the third or fourth time this year alone, WWE champion Hulk Hogan beating Terry Funk to retain his title. Which brings us to Saturday night's main event the very next day. Yes. Now this was this was this was filmed on February 15th, but we wouldn't see it until March 1st, 1986. So roughly three right. weeks later would right. go by. And it's amazing right. they were able to, to keep it again pre-internet, um, pre all of the stuff that we have now. They were able to kind of keep it secret and and new to everybody else who didn't see it live. And it, it drew a 10.0 rating for wrestling, which was just unbelievable. Wasn't well, that, you know, we were always see here on the East Coast when they had that pay-per-view event. We right. were not, we not, we want to see that. But Phoenix, they were advertising it all over Phoenix about the show. We right. want to see that show around here. Right. Yes, it came out. That's why they kept everything secret from the East Coast. Yeah, it was Saturday night's main event number five. Yes. So we've had five of them so far. <clears throat> it did. It did originate out of Phoenix, Arizona. Mister T beat Bob Orton in a boxing match <clears throat> via countout. I don't know how you get a countout in a boxing match. Yeah, only, right. Only in the world of professional wrestling. Oh, I, I know why. I know why. I know why. Cause Mr. T picked him up and body slammed him. Oh, is that when he is that when he threw him out? Yes, yes. Okay. Mr. T picked him up and threw him, threw him, threw him on the ground. Oh my, oh, my, oh man, he just got disqualification for doing that. <laughs> King Kong Bundy's pinned Steve Gatorwolf. WWF champion Hulk Hogan beat Don Morocco via disqualification. Beefcake and Valentine beat the British Bulldogs, and the Junkyard Dog pinned Adrian Adonis. So again, a pretty, pretty stacked card for really what was going to be an hour's. Now imagine that they did all of this in an hour. I don't know if they'd stretch it to an hour and a half at this point, but most of the the action that we saw happened within an hour um, with yeah. commercials. <clears throat> so uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of wrestling, a lot of <clears throat> action for that hour, and a lot of a lot of stars, you know, in this match and. Again, WWF is, is gaining momentum, gaining popularity. The, the juggernaut is starting to, to form here. And the same night in Greensboro, in North Carolina, Jim Crockett Promotions runs a show in front of a little over 8,000 people. One of my two favorites, actually, of the mid-card guys, Rocky King defeated Tony Zane. Always love Rocky King. Um, really put together. Skinny guy, probably wasn't more than maybe 165, 170 pounds. <clears throat> Built a little bit like Rey Mysterio, but more defined um, 
in, in his muscular build was Rocky King. Black Bart defeated Pat Tanaka. Pez Watley defeated T. Joe Khan. Manny Fernandez beat Baron Von Raschke. Your 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 favorite there got beat that night. Rap yeah, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Rock and Roll I, I Express. Like the, I like the guy who came with the Iron Claw. Wait a minute. I got a claw right here. See it? It's ready to go. <laughs> the, the Rock and Roll Express <laughs> defeated the World Tag Team Champions Midnight Express via disqualification. So obviously the titles didn't change hands. The National Heavyweight Champion Dusty Rhodes defeated Arn Anderson again, who was the NWA TV champion. <clears throat> and Ric Flair went through a time limit draw with Ronnie Garvin, which was probably a 20 or 30 minute time limit. Um, I don't think it was longer than that. Um, and, you know, the NWA TV title at the time was really what I'll equate it to right now with what Seth Rollins is doing with his WWE title. Um, it was kind of a workhorse title. Arn Anderson was on TV each and every week defending the title, yep. <clears throat> sometimes against guys like Barry Windham <clears throat> and Sam Houston and those guys that were middle to, to upper card guys, sometimes against guys like the Italian Stallion and George South. But nonetheless, he was out there defending his title, putting it on the line you know, each and every week, um, and really kind of just um, – bringing a little bit of legitimacy and legacy to that title again. Not, I mean, not that it needed it, but when I think of TV champions, there's two people that come to mind, at least in my era, one was Tully Blanchard and the other happened to be Arn Anderson, who will be heavily connected through 86 and 87. Oh, I, thought, um, I, thought, I thought you was going to say Magnum TA, but it's okay. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think he was ever TV champion. I know he's U.S. champion. But listen, you know, especially in this time in 86, <clears throat> Magnum TA is still, still, well, still to this day, but especially in 1986, you know, okay, let's just stop it here and, br and bring February to next week, rest of February, because we only got 10 minutes for that. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we can stop there. We're stopping about mid. Let me just highlight it here so I know where we're stopping. We'll pick up um, next week, February 16th, 1986. I'll just yeah, highlight, I, got, I got something to show you. Okay. Okay. I was down Columbus. Okay. A while back. This guy comes up. Right? This guy don't know nothing about his restaurant. Really. Right? He comes up to me and says, I got to ask you something. I said, what? How much you want for this Tony Silvani dog? Right? I want Tony Silvani. You got Tony Silvani dog? He said, yeah. He handed it to me, right? I looked at it, okay? Does this guy look like Tony Silvani? <laughs> Wait a minute. See the tag? Oh, my God. Tony on it. <laughs> There's a word cream on the back. Look. <laughs> wow. I went, that's not Tony Savani. Then who is it? I said, that's good old JR. That's yeah, that's good old JR. <laughs> he said, I got good old Tony. I said, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, could this be a miss a misprint or what? <laughs> Did JR have a jacket like that back in the day? Uh, yeah, I think so. No, I, I think he, I think he, he may have, or that may be, 
the jacket that they put on that character, be, <clears throat> that that act, that character there, because you know him being the the lead commentator for all. Yeah, uh, and, it says, and it says War Tony on it. He thought it was Tony Savani. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> wow. I, 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 and I, and I'm like, I tell you what, I, I, I give you $2 for it. He said, okay. And I, gave him, he got, I gave him $2 for it. <laughs> there you go. Nice. You know? so, Rap, Rap, what, what do you got coming up this week? What do you, what do you got going on? Oh. Five o'clock in the morning from Australia. We got the elimination chamber this weekend. Oh, that's this Saturday, isn't it? Yes. Yes. That's early. That's like early in the morning, right? Yep. Five o'clock in the morning. We're here on the East Coast. <laughs> um, I'll I'll be watching the replay. I'm not getting up at five o'clock in the morning. Well, but that's okay though because. When you get up in the morning, eight or nine o'clock, you turn on right there on Peacock, eat your bowl of Wheaties or eat your bowl of cereal, whatever you want to eat, you know, your pork roll, whatever. You can sit down and watch the uh, the elimination chamber at breakfast time. Yeah, and, and, and I'm so glad you said pork roll and not Taylor Ham because I would have had to cut you off if you called it Taylor Ham, rat boy. No, it no, what it is that. I used to work for pork roll companies here in Trenton. We got about three, about four or five of them here. Okay, we had Lawford's pork roll, Wilson's pork roll, Casey's pork roll, and Taylor's pork roll. Right. I like the Taylor pork roll myself. You know, and, and it was a big, you know, who makes the best pork roll, you know what I'm saying? And plus, now... They got this uh, punk rock uh, festival be coming up pretty soon, and they always had the pork roll uh, convention there. Who makes the best pork roll? Where's that at? It's at the uh, at the um, the the arena here in Trenton. Oh, you have to let me know when that is because I would love to see a pork roll. It's quite a pork roll festival. I, I think that would be great. A pork roll festival would be something I would definitely want to go to. Uh, I will let you know as soon as it comes by. I'll let you know because because I went to one of them and I liked it. You know? Nice. Because <laughs> nice. one year the, the punk rock had, had it and I went to the punk rock festival and they had the pork roll festival at the same time. Okay. <clears throat> you know? And I, and, uh, I think that it should be coming up pretty soon. The pork roll festival in the spring. Yeah, let me know because I, I definitely want to try to check that out. I would definitely love to go see that. But don't forget, coming up <clears throat> March twenty third, ECWA Super Eight tournament in Morganville, yeah. New Jersey, at the dugout. Go to ecwa.com. You can buy your tickets there. Um, and again, you know, I, I went to the one last year. It was it was a great show. Um, Probably dollar for dollar, probably the best investment you'll get and probably the best independent wrestling organization, you know, along the East Coast. Um, great guys. You'll see a lot of guys that will be, you know, I'm going out on a limb saying will be on television in the next couple of years. <clears throat> you get to see them before they get their what I'll call their big break um, into the one of the big, bigger promotions. Um and you, when you get there, you'll see all of the all of the stars. And I can't. There's so many that are, that are that I remember seeing last year. They had their posters up and pictures up. 
I can't even remember half of them, but it, it would definitely be a great show. It's mm-hmm. a tournament to crown the Super 8 champion. It definitely is a launching pad for that. Um, you want to go check it out. It's very, very reasonable for probably and, and, right and, around and, and, 15, and 20 bucks a ticket. And the Super 8 is of the stars of tomorrow. Half of those Super 8 stars today are on TV. Yes, that yes. If you go to the show, you'll have they'll have all of their 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 posters lined up. And I call them posters, but they're probably three foot wide by eight or nine foot tall pictures of all of the participants and winners of the super eight tournament. Um, yeah. And it really is a who's who of professional wrestling. Um, you run in a lot of great people there. Um, and it really is a good time. And that's March 23rd. Um, uh, and, one, and one person that you could run into, he's got his own show right here on VOC nation in the room with Brady Hicks on Tuesday nights. Yes, Brady Hicks will be doing the commentary for the Super 8. ECWA Hall of Famer Brady Hicks, by the way, will be doing yeah, the, the, the commentating for, for that um, Super 8 tournament on March 23rd. Again, go to ecwa.com um, <clears throat> to buy your tickets. Again, you probably – and again, I, I don't have the, the thing in front of me, and I apologize, but you could get a really good seat for, you know, <clears throat> under – right around 20 to $25 a, a ticket. It's a great show. Um, and really you are really part of the action. It's a, um, a great venue to, to have the super eight tournament in. Um, again, you'll see a lot of up and comers, a lot of rising stars, yep. a lot of guys you'll see it on TV, probably in the next three to five years, <clears throat> you'll see them right there at the dugout in Morganville, New Jersey. So you want to check that out. And again, um, you know, we'll be back here with Brady Hickson in the room on Tuesday nights. Um, and, I won't, and I won't be around for Tuesday. Oh, it's a it's a it's a rat boy free in the room. Yeah, Tuesday I won't night. be around because I I got a, I got an appointment with a whole bunch of how can I say it? old beautiful sexy uh, bingo players. They want me to call two games for them. Because okay. I've been around, you know, I, I said I'd do it just for them. A special guest appearance. Uh, uh, Colin Bingo. Colin Bingo, yep. That, that'll be great. Then we'll be right back here. I used to go there every week to play bingo, and they trying to get me back to play bingo. And I said, I tell you what, if I come back, I will play bingo. Plus, I will call two two games for you if, I, uh, if it's possible. He said, we could do it. Okay. Sounds I'll, be good calling, I'll be calling the first two games before the regular bingo. Right. And then we'll be right back here next Thursday night at 8 o'clock, picking back up February 1986 um, and seeing how far we get. Hopefully we can wrap up 90, 18, 1986, but I doubt it because there's just so much going on in 86, um, so much happening in the world of professional wrestling with its expansion and growing in popularity. Um but again, continue to pray for Stro Maestro as he continues to recover yeah. and he gets back here to kind of pilot the ship. We're just kind of trying to keep it on course, doing our best to keep the program alive, you know, while he's recovering. Um, and, you know, he'll be back here um, soon, hopefully sooner than later, but he's making great, great strides in recovery. You know, keep um, Granny Hulkster and her family, you know, in your prayers, you know, um, you know, as they 
worked through the grief process of losing um, Granny Holkster's husband, David, to cancer, um, you know, and just continue to lift her up in your prayers. I believe in the in the power of collective prayer. I think when people come together and pray, I think great things happen. Um, but again, you know, thanks you everybody for for tuning in. It was a great night. And again, catch you in the room Tuesday night at 730 on, on the VOC Nation right here. Um, call VOC.com if you want to participate. And then we'll be back here next week at, at 8 o'clock, continuing our dive into our deep dive, when, as it's turned out to be, into the the year of 1986. Yeah. Again, everybody have a great night, um, you know, and, you know, just love one another. And, you know, we'll be here next week, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. VOC Nation's own Stroh Maestro suffered a major medical and financial catastrophe this year from the VOC Nation family. To all of you, please continue to pray for Stroh Maestro for his continued recovery. You can also donate to his cause, paypal.me slash the worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know later there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts will include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 
61255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my... Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <clears throat> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an early champion. Yeah. Here are exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Actor, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do with Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.